season two of the Pat and JT podcast. Oh my, now I'm here at last. The best time, always gonna be the best. Come on. Exclusively on the Parkville Network. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, it's Pat and JT. Um, texting, well, I gotta say something quick about our texting. It's 402 So it says slower. 402-403-9478. Everybody's going, what? I'm burning through it. <laughs> you know what? You know, hit the hit the little button that time slows us down a little bit and they'll be fine. And they'll sound I'll drunk. Sound like I'm drunk. And they'll be like, what are you saying? <laughs> um, on Tune Blast, which has nothing to do with texting, but there's that texting little communication uh-huh. thing in there. Um, just in the last few days, I've had three defectors from JT's Nuts and the Castaways join my team. And they're so oh sweet. They're so gosh, nice. Really? Yeah. They're waiting for the COVID to be over so we can get together for our party. They are. Well, you guys are still leading, but I'm just saying. I know. Yeah. I know we are. You wait till I shed this COVID-19 and we're going to come out. We're going to rock the place. <laughs> the COVID-19. The, well, it was COVID-15 about a week ago, but unfortunately. <laughs> I think it was the quarantine 15. Now it's the, it is the actual COVID-19. COVID-19. Yeah. yeah. It has nothing to do with the virus. <laughs> All about weight. Oh my gosh. All right. So we have a guest on today. Uh, Carrie Morfeld is with us today. Hello, Carrie. Hello. And Carrie Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Carrie is with um, Four Elephants, Four Elephants, the number four elephants.org. Um, and we've talked to you before, but let's kind of reintroduce <laughs> what you do and what's what's going on in the elephant world. Yeah, awesome. It's super exciting to be back. Um, so when we talked last, we had just introduced our nonprofit, Four Elephants, that's dedicated to, as the name suggests, elephants, everything elephant. So conservation, education, inspiring others, and uh, letting people know what they can do for elephants, even if they um, don't feel like they can do much. If you can't touch an elephant, what can you do? So it's really doing research and transferring that research into action. Um, action for zoos, action for people, and at the end of the day, doing what we can do to make sure elephants always exist. So Exactly. Which now, is a sad thing that, that that's a possibility that they may not at some point, if it keeps going the way it's going. Yeah, totally. And I think people take that for granted. They just think, oh, it's an Africa issue or it's an Asia issue. Like, um, and not really understanding how quickly those numbers are declining. And it just totally sad to think about a world that we're responsible for, you know, an animal as magnificent as an elephant doesn't mm-hmm. exist. I mean, mm-hmm. shame on us. So, yeah. um, so it's kind of our mission to bring that message and understanding of the situation across the world, yeah. but also bringing some good about it too. Like there are things we can actually do to reverse this. And so, you know, highlighting the positives, highlighting what we could do. And instead of just focusing on the doom and gloom, um, really taking action to, to reverse that predicted demise of elephants. Well, thank goodness for people like you, right? No doubt. And, and honestly, what are the biggest threats to the elephant population? Well, as you probably all have heard and understand is the ivory issue. Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously don't buy ivory. Don't mm-hmm. wear it. Don't sell it have nothing to do with ivory. And sometimes, you know, people think, oh, that's so minor, but it's huge. If you stop the demand, you stop the kill. Um, so that's one of the main things. Another problem we're probably aware of is habitat destruction. Um, you know, re- reducing their land, pushing them onto small pieces of land, um, deforestation, those things, um, which, 
we, we have a role in too of, of saying no to those things and doing our part and, and making sure that doesn't happen. And, and mostly just awareness of how our effect on the environment on everyday level impacts elephants, not just elephants, but just nature as a whole. Well, if you're thinking, and, you know, people that are on the outside like us, everybody but you, you know, that you don't think about the number of elephants, the side note, but about animals was watching Tiger King. And at the end, they say there's really only 4,000 tigers left in the wild and there's 5,000 in captivity yeah. in the United States. So thinking that 4,000 in the wild alive of tigers, yeah. that's, that's crazy. Um, and yeah. then to think that elephants are affected kind of the same way. Yeah, absolutely. And like you put a perfect example of, you know, we're doing this for elephants, but it applies to any species. Mm -hmm, <laughs> um, yeah. and, and also it signifies the role of zoos, not mm -hmm. just zoos, sanctuaries or any managed population, because sometimes that is where the majority of a species resides. Right. And down the road, as our wild populations get smaller and smaller, they are, in fact, managed populations, just like you would have in a zoo. So we can take lessons learned about what worked and didn't work within a zoo situation and apply that to the animals, you know, in the wild, but which are really in a managed situation anyway. Which so zoos great. have a huge role in this. And, you know, so many times I get the question of, well, then do you prefer wild elephants or zoo elephants? <laughs> and it's really not an either or situation. Like each individual elephant warrants our, our optimal care mm -hmm. and understanding and support, but it's more of a, just a global situation and not an either. Yeah. Or. So we support both and we work with both. Let's kind of talk about two points here. Number one is that you're a Nebraska native, um, yep. which a lot of people like go, huh? When you find that out, <laughs> right? Like, how are you with elephants? You know, what's the elephant herd like in Nebraska? It's like, oh, well, <laughs> out in the Sandhills. Um, 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 and then you also do work in Africa as well. Kind of, kind of, you know, bridge that gap for us. Yeah, right. Like, how, how do you, how are you a small town Nebraska girl and then does these global things? And it just has to do a lot with, um, following your passion, even if it seems crazy, and sticking through it and doing the next thing, even if it doesn't seem like it's a normal path. But it's one of those things that no matter where you are, you can have, or your background, you can do significant things for this world. And being Nebraska, from Nebraska, I'm so proud of that. <laughs> and, you know, like those good, hardworking values. And I just, I, I announce it all of the time because that's really important to me. Um, and I want other people from similar situations to feel inspired and, and, and take those leaps to feel, to carry out their mission if they have a calling for something as crazy as this. Crazy, but so cool. Like right. I'm super so blessed cool. to, to do this. I mean, it's a lot, but I wouldn't change it. Um, you know, I just hope at the end of the day that there's some key things that I was able to do for elephants that will last way past me, like this organization, mm -hmm. you know, nonprofits are belonged by the community. They're mm -hmm. not, it's not mine. It's for you. And so the idea is that this lives way past any of us. And, but it also gives a route for other people, um, to, to get involved. When was the so, first yeah. time you went to Africa? I was um, 20 years old when I first went to Africa. And it was so cool because I went to Nebraska Wesleyan um, and I did an internship at the Omaha Henry Dorley Zoo. 
And on day one, they said, well, we need to go to Africa to do this Cape Buffalo pro- project and we need more hands. And of course, I'm like jumping up and down. Right. Like, you can have both of mine. Yeah. And I didn't know what I was signing up for. I just heard Africa <laughs> and who wants to go. Wow. And so, of course, I jumped on that opportunity, which also is to, to students or whoever's listening is to say yes, even if you don't know if you can or what it exactly entails <laughs> sometimes you just have to say yes um so i went there first and i just knew um that i had a role to play in africa and using unique skill sets and between africa and the u.s i thought there was a real niche that i could do some good there um and i've been going so yeah since i was 20 um internship um waitressing, just earning money so I could go and, and, and do my thing and contribute. And I just really fell in love with the country. I fell in love with the wildlife. And, and I really saw how even zoos could learn more and apply more from um, wild elephants and wild mm-hmm. species. Because we just assume, oh, we just know everything. But then you for, really, we don't. And we don't know a lot of basic information about elephants and what they, they need to be cared for. So taking that information from the wild and applying it to zoos, that's like a huge task, right. but it needs to be done for any species. So, and ha- ta- so and you, you've talked about the Omaha Zoo a lot, and you're obviously here local. How lucky are we to have a zoo like that here in Nebraska? Yeah, right. Like that is such a blessing and, a, and just it's amazing. And so I always tell people, too, because they always say, well, what can I do for, for elephants? And I say, have you spent time just sitting and watching the elephants nearest you, whether that be in Omaha, wherever it might be, right? Whatever your zoo, go and, and sit. Don't just like, oh, I don't see the elephants. I'm moving on. Well, why don't you see the elephants? <laughs> what could it be that, that they're doing? Go investigate. Go figure out how many elephants they have. What are their ages? What are their sexes? Like, you can learn a lot, um, not just about elephants, but about yourself if you just like sit for a while. <laughs> it's true. You know, what's funny and, is, and that's where, you know, a lot of zoos get criticized for, well, we can't see the animals. That, yes, but that's okay because animals also need time to get away. Right. Yep. So you, you might have to spend some time to find them, but, um, do your part and do that. Like, yeah, you might have to work a little bit. That's okay. You know, it's funny is <laughs> when you said just to sit, it's funny as one of our other guests, uh, Rihanna, mm-hmm. and she was talking about how people need to, and, and this, this year and, and just like how things, are, are going in the world that for a lot of people, this, uh, this quarantine is the first time they've sat with themselves. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's kind of interesting. It's like you using that same, it's like, sometimes you just need to sit still for a second and let the world kind of yeah. watch the world go by, yeah. kind of just kind yeah. of watch things and Observe. and take, yeah, take a deep breath and, and see what's yeah. going on. Um, totally. some of the other stuff that you were working with, with the elephants too, um, as the a breeding program, yeah. Um, with the elephants and why, why is that necessary? Is it because there's a, a depletion of, uh, as far as the population, is that part of the problem? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so primarily what we do is, so I'm an endocrinologist by, by training. So it's everything hormones. And so with that is reproductive hormones, right? So like for the Omaha zoo, we monitor all of their females for their reproductive cycles. So like, you know, a human female who's uh, reproductively mature will cycle every month. An elephant has a cycle every three to four months. 
right? So through, we can collect poop samples, sorry, (laughs) and (laughs) extract the hormones and follow their cycle to know when they're going to ovulate next, which would be the ideal time to be with the male, Mm -hmm. right? So you would think, um, well, why don't we have more elephant babies? It's a lot of reasons. And so there are reproductive issues, especially for elephants, um, that have been in zoos for a long time and we don't know as much, we didn't know as much then as we do now. And so the majority of our female elephants in zoos are actually um, non-reproductive, which means they don't even have a cycle when and they do, should. Wow, do, you know, do you know why that's happening or is that something you're figuring out? Yeah. So, um, so that was like 20 years of my research was to figure out um, part of like, why is this? Why are reproductive age females not having a cycle. And so part of that is related to having a high body condition. So body condition is a nice way of saying fat. (laughs) And so that's what you call it. That's what it is. It's a high body condition. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There is a friendly term. Thank goodness. (laughs) But you know, when you go to the zoo, you want to see a big elephant, right? Right. Yeah. Like how would you You feel, Jill? That's that's so true though. But you think whenever I see um, video from Africa of the elephants yeah. in the wild, they aren't as robust as I was led to believe they were when you yeah. see them in the zoos or in movies or things. Exactly. Yeah. So you're supposed to see a backbone. You're supposed to see a hip bone. And I have to say, you know, the zoos. So in a few years ago, they did a um, import of elephants from Africa, and you know they were thin. They had backbones and hip bones they were on the too thin side but it was interesting how people were like hurry up make them put on weight get them fat and i'm like no stop (laughs) (laughs) because you need that level of those skeletal features to have a it's related to having a reproductive cycle wow so it goes back to metabolic issues and that's same for for humans as well and the other thing we see is of course social arrangements like having a very dynamic herd is important for their reproductive health. So having multiple generations, babies, infants, juveniles, and, you know, repro 101, access to males. Um, sometimes we forget the obvious. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> I don't want, we're used to it. <laughs> don't worry about it. But, but so now it's kind of changing some of like um, what zoos used to do. And it's challenging that status quo. So trying to promote, promote zoos to, you know, don't have fat elephants. It's okay to have, you know, backbones and hip bones showing to really try to incorporate um, at least one male. I'm really pushing for multiple males because it's important for the other male's health as well. So again, it's like changing and, and, and also just having the. So why, the is, why is it bad? Why is it bad to, for the males? If there's just one, cause he gets a little tired or why is it bad for his health? <laughs> He gets, more, he gets bored and lonely. He needs it more so, not so much for the reproduction part, but in the times when he's not breeding. So to have um, a playmate, to have a social partner, to spar with, to play with, you know, oh, those it. males can get really big. Yeah. And it's amazing how gentle they can be with juveniles or females just to play. But there's sometimes they want to like get into an all out bout, you know, Yeah. and having another male to do that is really important and it's important for young males to have an older male to learn from right so elephants are so 
um, based on learning from their herd and learning from others in their herd. So if you just throw a young male in and expect him to grow into a breeding adult, he has no example. Wow. Like that's just I never thought about that. No, it's, it's just never like people. It is exactly like people. Yeah. When and there would be those that would argue, um, as far as the the family unit in in this country, maybe worldwide, but in this country in particular, there are those that definitely argue. You you've got to have that representation in order yeah. for them to kind of uh, uh, mimic and 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 learn yeah. how to be. Yeah, and learn when yeah that female's an estrus. But you don't have rights like you. You can't just go breed her. You're, you know, a young male. Right. And so he needs to be put in his place Mm -hmm. a little bit, you know, which is appropriate. Um, But if they don't have that older male to do that, like it can interrupt the social dynamics and then affect reproduction. Want to take a second to thank American Heart Association for being Mm -hmm. a supporter of our podcast. Absolutely. Really proud to be working with them and passing along some good information. Would you recognize the most common signs of a stroke? They're important to know. Just remember, fast. Face, arms, speech, and time. Fast. Exactly. If one side of their face droops when they smile, if they can't keep both arms raised in the air or their speech is slurred or strange, or you see any of those signs, call 911 immediately. When it comes to a stroke, every second counts. My grandfather had a stroke right. and I realized that and they got to him in time and it helped. It's all in the, this is the simplest thing. Remember, fast. Face, arms, speech, time. Visit heart.org to learn more about how to prevent a stroke and recognizing the warning signs of a stroke. How intelligent are elephants? I always hear they're super smart huge memory. Great. You know, how, how really, how, how, how much, because you, you see these stories, huge memory, whatever. I meant huge brain, whatever. I'm not a scientist like Carrie. So like, but you see these videos online where, where this whole group of elephants will walk for miles to mourn the death of another elephant, or they'll, they'll yeah. save a human that's floating down the river and they'll, you know, they'll go and just stand there and let them grab onto them. Are yeah. they extremely smart as these videos portray them to be? Yeah, Absolutely. It's just even in the wild when, you know, there's a drought and resources are limited, the matriarch and the the elephants that have been in that herd will know from memory to travel hundreds of kilometers to a water source that they knew was there in prior years. Right. Just so unbelievably smart of remembering events, remembering locations, but just the empathetic part. Um, you know, and is there like an exact test that I looked at to say, oh, no, but just from experience and, and being with elephants and watching elephants and elephant behavior, um, I would challenge anybody to say they're not intelligent mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and just their ability for even social bonding. If you sit long enough and see that and how they communicate um, with each other, like it's just really fascinating. And it's it puts your life a little bit in perspective and also like have an appreciation on how other species communicate and their intelligence. You know, yeah. we're not necessarily the ultimate, we have it down. They yeah. have ways that we could completely learn from them as well. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You had mentioned something before we started this episode. Um, and I wanted to get back to, because talking about how smart they are, why are they afraid of bees? Right. Okay. Right. <laughs> no, it's just fascinating. So in Africa, because there's a lot of issues with um, human elephant conflict. So elephants going into uh, villages, to their crops, to their farms and, or into the communities. 
So Which would be um, awful. I can't imagine having an elephant come down the street. I hate looking out in the backyard and seeing like a raccoon run through my backyard and be like, oh, get him out of here. And I see an elephant? Like, no, All thank right, Pat, you. You're coming to Africa with me. We've got to work on this. Not a chance. <laughs> wow. And for, for the villagers, right? You know, it's like that's just part of living there is the elephants Elephant. might storm the village. Right. So. <laughs> Good right. Lord. Crazy. But it's their living and that's their livelihood. So, of course, you can see why they would be angry. So what do you do about that? Well, you can't necessarily just put up fences because elephants just can go through those, right? <laughs> True. Um, but what they've learned is elephants are terrified of bees. Now, these are African bees, which aren't their like our typical North American bumblebees. Okay, are these like, like, are these like the murder bees? bees? Right? They're not murder bees, but they're larger. Okay. Like, these are, if, these are yeah. killer bees. Murder bees are murder more bees like are, precognitive or whatever you call it. It's a pre, not what's the premeditated? <laughs> these are premeditated murder bees. Killer bees. They're killer just more bees. like accidental. Yeah. What's it called when you kill somebody accidentally? An accident, Man's, not an act. Manslaughter. manslaughter. These are manslaughter bees. Manslaughter bees. Yeah. Murder bees are yeah. <laughs> intentional. Yeah. Intentional bees. Got it. Totally okay. different. Now that we got that oh, figured goodness. out. Yeah. Scientist yeah. Pat. Yeah. Here he is. Okay. I won't put this, any of this into the scientific writing about it, but thanks. Manslaughter bees. Um, <laughs> but elephants are terrified of them. So we've learned to put these. So I work with this awesome group called Elephants Alive, and they actually put up these beehives. And so the bees come you know, on the outskirts of these communities and the bees, will, uh, the elephants won't go near. So they've wow. also learned though, to take it further, that it was just even the sound of the bees. So you can put video recordings of just the sound of the bees without the bees actually having to be there. And elephants wow. will scatter away immediately the minute they hear the sound. Wow. And the the fact that like you had said this before, too, that their skin is so thick. Like, do the bees go after their eyes, like the sensitive parts of their body, their their snout or something or what? Why the end of their trunk? Why on earth would they not (laughs) like one dude be like, I just got stung last week, dude, and it doesn't hurt at all. (laughs) (laughs) You know, actually. So that's a misconception. So elephants have thick skin, but it's actually really sensitive. Really? So, yeah. So that's why. Right. (laughs) So I know. Um, so their skin is actually really sensitive. See, they she's blowing everything out of the water. We thought we knew about elephants. Right. They have a long, the long, they never forget. Right. They do forget some things. They never forget. And they have really thick skin. But it's super sensitive. Yeah. But it's super sensitive. Nobody yeah. told us that part either. No clue. Yeah. So, you know, when you see elephants with all the dust all over them all the time, or like they like Mud. water holes, they do that because it then acts as a sunscreen. So they can get sunburned. That's interesting. So, you say that too. Yeah. Horses do that. Um, it helps keep the flies off. Yes, because they'll too. they'll cake themselves in mud or roll in the mud and stuff, and then it'll dry on them, so then the flies can't get them. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. They are smart. so. There you go. Now that's we know crazy. they're smart again. That's Good it is, Lord. isn't it? So <laughs> exciting news too. The reason um, we got to have Carrie on the podcast today is we were talking to her a little bit earlier because she's going to be starting a podcast. That's very exciting, and I yeah. can't wait. Uh, <laughs> me either it's, it is going to be all about your organization about four elephants um it'll be on the website and your travels it's going to include yeah i mean you're you're looking at bringing all kinds of people in on this aren't you yeah and that's the idea is to have you know what we do it's so broad and there's so many levels of involvement to make this happen and just to have different perspectives on elephants and their care. And so we'll bring in elephant keepers from zoos, interviews with them, scientists, our team working in the field. When I'm in the field in Africa, we'll, we'll have episodes then. 
um, will bring kids in on their perspective of elephants and conservation. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's really, and then we'll also have episodes just about the research, like some of like the geeky stuff I do, <laughs> you know, and writing these really long reports. I want to transfer that into just general knowledge. So taking something complicated and just educating people about elephants and the research. And then, you know, hopefully whether it's somebody that works with elephants or that doesn't work directly from elephants, that you'll learn more about them, have an appreciation for them, know what you can do to improve their lives and, and hopefully take some information just to hopefully improve your life as well. I think that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Pretty fun. We're yes. really excited. And yes, we'll talk about lots of elephant stuff, of course. So. <laughs> I just, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I do. That's, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, I thank you guys for supporting it and being well, so excited about it as well. Well, so. we met you the first time we were on that um, party bus with the Vogler's. And that's, we talked about this in the first time you were on, yeah. like for, yeah. hearing about what you did. Like I instantly want to say like, you have, there is no chance you're not having a podcast in the next year because you had so much, like it was so interesting talking to you. So, um, yeah. And we, I mean, granted we were all hammered, but still you, <laughs> it was very, very interesting. And I'm just glad that it finally came full circle. You know, what, eight, nine months later well, and you're finally here doing it. Because, and, and timing and the Rona, I mean, everything, yeah. you know, everything yeah. coming, it's like, well, everybody's plans kind of got shifted and some time to yeah. think about some things that we didn't think about before or put some effort into some things that we have some time to now. Yeah, totally. And it was also, you know, realizing sometimes you forget what you know. And so sometimes you feel like you need to share that mm-hmm. or somehow inspire or also learn more yourself. And so that, I think this is just a great way um, to do that. Yeah. And, it, it is. And it's, know, it's, and, it's people like you that made changes like, like with the circuses. Um, I always, and, and I, yeah. I don't want to be Debbie Downer, but I, I never enjoyed the circus. I love animals, yeah. but I never enjoyed the circus. I always right. felt bad when I left because just, just watching them have to do tricks. I was just like, yeah. I didn't like, and then seeing an elephant, it just seemed so unnatural. Yeah. Um, because yeah. you knew they couldn't be happy. And then you see right. the stories about some of the animals that have been kept in captivity in terrible conditions, but there was no regulation for it. Yes. Yeah. And exactly. you're, the, you're, the, you're the kind of person that's made those changes. Yeah. Well, we try and it's based on, you know, so many times those things happen because we didn't have enough scientific backing or research to say one way or another. So a big goal of ours is to build, it's not just how I feel or how you feel what needs to be done. It's based on science. And that's the hard part mm-hmm. is, you know, to back it in things that are actually true and then uh, make the changes based on that, even if it's not what we felt, right? No, you're right. That's because the hardest no, part. that's the hard part for a lot of people is not having laws based on it hurts my feelings. Um, yes. It needs to be based on good, solid reasoning. Um, yeah. The reason why you do something and then, then it's got to be backed up. Yeah. Yeah. And then it takes some of these um, zoos, which they've already done, is is to implement some of these things that aren't status quo, right? That's and probably take true, take a little too. bit of leap and, and change things. And so we can do that with the hormone monitoring to see what those changes do mm-hmm. internally for the elephants, for their physio- physiology and their health. And so it takes some leaps of faith. Like, we don't know everything. We won't know everything to make the changes. But we will have enough science backing to say... It looks like, you know, you have a X percent of chance that making this change will result in 
improvement. Improvement. Here. Yeah. And yeah. And you just do that step by step. You evaluate, you change, you grow, you, you keep doing that mm-hmm. until we actually have a reproductively stable population because and it, and reproduction isn't just the goal, but it is a marker for welfare and for if you were um, taking care of these animals properly. Yeah, that's and true. So, and it's that, that changes for the circus, but also changes for the zoos and they're yes. all learning so then more yeah. people can see them and yeah. enjoy them. Right. Yeah. Wow. That's, That's awesome. Yeah. Carrie, you're, you're, you're amazing. And, what yeah. you, and what's your website again? People want to check it out? Yeah, thanks. So the website is for elephants. So it's the number four, fourelephants.org. And yeah, we'd appreciate you checking it out. It's continuing to improve. Omaha Media Group is awesome about keeping that up to date and our podcast will be housed there as that's well. That's right. So, Shout out to them. Yeah. yeah. So exciting. <laughs> that's, awesome. that's right. I can't wait. <laughs> so here we go. Good deal. Yeah. Well, we'll have you back when it's time to launch your podcast. Okay. That'd be wonderful. Okay. Thank right. Thanks, yeah. Carrie. Thank you, okay. Carrie. We'll talk to you later. Um, all right. I'm going to say it slow. 402-403-9478. Here we well go. Well done. Thank you very much. Uh, all right. So text us, get a hold of Carrie, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Podcast, a Parkville Media Production.